All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. Before we get started today, let's consider this our lobby moment where we have an opportunity to get to know one another. If you would, please share your name and maybe from where you might be worshiping with us today. In just a moment here, you'll see a countdown letting us know that worship is about to begin, and you can prepare your heart during that time. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Second City Church, come worship with us.
this, Lord. We just sing hallelujah to you. This morning and every morning, you are worthy to be praised, Lord. So we come before you offering up our worship and praise to you that you would be glorified in our worship of you, Lord. We pray that you'd find joy in us just as we find joy in you, joy in your love, Lord.
Hello and good morning everybody. Welcome to Second City Church Online. My name is Cole. I'm associate pastor here at the church. We're super glad that you chose to join us today because we know that God has something big for you today. So, because we know that's for you, it's true for everybody else too. So if you're thinking about somebody who you think should be here today participating in this worship service so that they can encounter God and know Him and His love for them, please invite them. Get on your phone, get on email, send them the link to the service today so that they can join us live or watch it. Uh, at the Roman Convenience as well. And if you're here with us live today, please don't miss out on being prayed with. So click that live prayer button and uh, get that prayer today that God has for you. Now, our vision at Second City Church is threefold. It's Christ has preeminent, community, and culture. So number one, we want you to know Jesus Christ today. So if you hear anything that pricks your heart and you say, yes, I, I want to know more, please don't hesitate to reach out. Click that uh, new life uh, link that comes up at the end of the service. And then the second C is community. When we come to Christ, He puts us into a new family called the family of God. And so we want you to join a community group this week so that you can get to know this family and also get to know this God through His Word and practical application of it. So please find a community group on our website this week and join virtually or in person. And then the third C is culture. This message of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is for everybody. So we want you to find your place in helping this message get out there. 
So go to our website or talk to one of us, send us a message, uh, go to the culture tab on the website and find your place to start serving. Now, a couple of announcements for you, so get out your calendars. Uh, first is super excited about October Community Day. Ben and Kendall Foote have opened up their home from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. tomorrow. That's right, tomorrow, Monday, from 5 to 10 p.m. And so they're inviting you, uh, the church, and the surrounding community to come hang out with one another, relax, encourage each other, be edified, and carve pumpkins. So bring your own pumpkin with you to be a part of the pumpkin carving. And they're going to have food, games, and they're going to toast marshmallows outside. So go to our website, click on the Community Day link, and get all the information and get registered for that. Now, this weekend is the 2021 Fall Men's Retreat, and that's October 15th through 17th. Join us as we have great worship, prayer, teaching. There's going to be a barbecue, cookout, and just time alone with God. So please go to the website. Uh, click on that, get signed up. It's not too late. It's $100 for all the activities that are happening that weekend. And um, I know you'll be blessed if you do that. Now coming up on October 17th, um, next Sunday is our membership class. If you want to know more about Second City Church, where we've come from, where we're at, and where we feel God is taking us, come and you'll learn all about that and how you can be a part of it as well. Now, anybody got kids out there or any kids listening? We're super excited to announce that starting from 9.45 to 10 a.m. online, we're going to have virtual Sunday school. So starting October 17th, come and be a part of that online. Now guys, we're going to move into our time of worship through giving. We're working our way through the Old Testament scriptures about offerings, and we find ourselves today at 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 14, which says, And when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, and with it, uh, were made utensils for the house of the Lord, both for the service and for the burnt offerings, and dishes for incense, and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord regularly all the days of Jehoiada. And so today, it's not Jehoiada that's on the throne, it's King Jesus who's on his throne. So let's bring him not only a one-time offering, but like they brought offerings regularly so that the house of the Lord and the mission of God could go forth. Let's regularly bring our our tithes and offerings to our one true King and Savior who lives to intercede for us. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you not only for offering your Son Jesus once so that by repentance and faith we could have our sins forgiven and be ready for eternity with you, but now, Lord Jesus, you're offering up prayers from your throne interceding for us, and we thank you for that. Lord, help us to give to you today and every day of our time, talent, and our treasure that the house of God may be built up, that the mission of God may go forth and many may be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's turn our attention to the preaching of the Word of God. All right, we're so glad that you've chosen to join us for our service today. And once again, we hope that you were able to meet with God during that worship moment. Now today what we're doing is we're actually beginning a new series, which is actually going to be called Re-Engage. Because I wanted to ask you this question. Have you ever been in a place in life where you wanted a do-over? <laughs> Have you ever felt like for all of your best intentions in your relationships, in your family life, in your career, in the things that you um, held most dear and re really important to you, that you actually missed the mark and fell short in uh, not only the world's eyes, but in your own expectations of yourself? Well, the good news is that in Jesus Christ, a, a lot of times when we feel like we've missed the mark, we've failed um, not only people, but most importantly, God and the world around us, what we want to do is actually come to God to understand that we don't have to run from Him, but we can run to Him to re-engage in God's life 
his purposes in the community that he has for us because of his grace towards us. And so today we're going to start the series by actually talking about this. How do we re-engage Christ? After it feels like over the past two years, it seems like the world has almost given um, his people something of a knockout blow. How do we re-engage God? How do we re-engage Jesus in the midst of the discouragements that might have come as a result of our own personal failings? And so today we're going to focus on this statement that we will re-engage Jesus when we realize there is grace for every moment that we failed him. That's the good news of the gospel, that there's grace in Jesus for every moment that we failed him and we can come to him to re-engage him. So we're going to break the message down into three parts today. We're going to talk first about our best intentions. Secondly, we're going to talk about how we all have missed the mark. And then finally, we're going to talk about how to re-engage Jesus despite missing the mark. And so let's all pray and then we'll begin. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today and we thank you that you've given it to us to help us to know your everlasting love and care for us. And regardless of where we've been and the places that we've found ourselves over these past two years because of the discouragements that have come from the pandemic and the trials that we've experienced of various sorts, God, we're asking you that you would help your people to not just believe your words again, but also re-engage you according to those words in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's start by talking about our best intentions. The truth of the matter is, is that we can have the best intentions, but not realize that our self-sufficiency can push us away from rather than towards Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that it's not good to be strong or it's not good to um, even have godly ambition. But the thing about it is, is that oftentimes what can creep in is a sense of self-sufficiency in life that can actually cripple us rather than help us. And when the time of testing comes, if we're not careful, those are the very things that can break us. And so let's read in our Bible today in Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be today focusing on the life of Peter and his relationship with Jesus, how he had to learn not to be self-sufficient so that in the midst of his own failings, he might re-engage Jesus. And so in Matthew 26, verse 30, it says this, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. And so here we see that on the eve of uh, Jesus' betrayal, his crucifixion, where he voluntarily laid down his life for the mistakes that you and I made, and the rebellion that we had before a holy and a righteous God, Jesus voluntarily went to the cross to give his perfect life for our broken lives, his, uh, his perfect life for our damaged and um, rebellious lives before God, so that he might take the punishment and by his sacrifice actually be, give us a way to be reconciled with God. That as Jesus was 
crucified on the cross, not only did he take the punishment that we deserve, but because of his innocence, according to God's own promise, three days later, God raised him from the dead so that as we turn from our sin and put our trust in what Jesus did for us on the cross, we might not only have forgiveness of our sins, but new life and eternal life in Christ. But we see that on the eve of that crucifixion, we see that Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And in that moment, he was reiterating to them the way that he was pro that it was prophesied that he would have to go to actually save the world. Jesus was discussing with his disciples that literally they, though they'd walked with him for three and a half years, heard all of his impeccable teachings, had seen his miracles, his signs and wonders, his compassion that he showed to the world, opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears, raising people from the dead. Though they saw him driving out demons and doing all sorts of great feats, showing that he was in fact divine and God in the flesh. He said, even though I've shown you this about myself, you've seen me do all of these things. And in fact, you've participated in many of these things with me as you also were sent out to do the same. Jesus said, on the eve of my crucifixion, all of you are going to fall away because of me meaning that the authorities are going to come and they're going to take me away to be crucified. And though I am Lord of all, and you know it in your hearts, you're going to deny me. And Peter, on the uh, hearing this, he obviously had great devotion for God. And he said to himself, Jesus, there is no way, there is no way that I am going to deny you. All these other 11 might deny you. All these other lesser disciples might actually be the ones to sell you out. But not me, Jesus. Not me, Jesus. I'm part of, remember, I'm part of your inner circle. I'm not one, just one of the 12. I'm one of the three. And I'm not just one of the three. I'm literally the one that you, you changed my name. You didn't just change me, Jesus. You changed my name from Simon to Peter. And you said on this rock, the revelation of who you are that I expressed to you, revealed to me by the Father in heaven, you were going to build your church. Remember, that's me, Jesus. You and I have this special relationship. And ultimately, I have the best intentions towards you. Jesus, I'll never fail you. Never. And what Peter had as a bit of a uh, self-sufficiency, and he was convinced that he had a true love for Jesus. And it was really a love that he did, in fact, have for Jesus. But the, the measure of the love that he had for him wasn't quite the measure he really had inside of him. And it was shown when he was tested. And this is why Jesus, knowing what would ultimately happen, said to Peter, Peter, I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And the truth of the matter is, is that when Jesus was taken to trial, it was brought to bear who's willing to associate with this Jesus now. It's going to cause this, these claims about Jesus, his divinity, that he's the king of the Jews, and not just the king of the Jews, but king of all that have heaven and earth. It's going to ultimately cost him his life in this moment. And you've been riding this train of uh, the Jesus popularity up to this point, disciples, seeing his miracles and being a part of his resurrection power being expressed even before he was crucified. But now it's going to actually cost you something. 
Now it's your association with Jesus is going is to cost you something. And ultimately, Jesus said, though you proclaim love for me in the time of testing, all of you are going to fall away. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. And what God is showing us is that God will allow pressures in our lives pressures in our lives, not to break us, but to refine us and to redefine us, that our love for him might be proven genuine and true. And over the past two years uh, of the pandemic and all that came along with it, it's really about showing us what's really in not just other people's hearts, but in our hearts. And the trials that we experience are literally magnets that will either repel you away from or draw you closer to Jesus. When we're self-sufficient, it will repel us away from God because not if, but when we fail, we failed our own idols and our ideas of who we are supposed to be. You see, Peter had in his mind who he thought he was and who he was supposed to be to Jesus. But when he failed, he had to reckon he had to reckon with his own um, um, failings and what was really in his heart, the strength or the lack thereof that was really in the love or the lack thereof that was really in his heart and learn how to re-engage Jesus appropriately. The weight of the test and the discouragement of our trials, even the trials that we've experienced over the past two years, can literally crush us. However, the truth of the matter is, is that when we're rooted in Christ, our trials can draw us near to God as we're dependent on his strength and his direction to go on. And what comes out in the midst of trials is important because it shows us if we really are the followers of Christ that we say we are. And this is how Peter was tested. It's how throughout our lifetimes we will all be tested. God and the world wait to see what's really in our hearts during times of trial and during times of testing. And the question that I have for you is, what did you find coming out of your heart during the trials of the past two years? And did it draw you closer to or drive you further from God? Well, the truth is, is that for many of us, it caused us to miss the mark. And we need to come to a point where we admit our failures in life if we want to learn and heal from them. We need to come to a point where we're humble enough to admit our failures in life if we're going to learn and heal from them. And let's pick up in Peter's story again in Matthew 26. In verse 69, it says this, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. This is after Jesus was betrayed by the apostle Judas and arrested by the religious authorities. And it said that Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he, meaning Peter, denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he, meaning Peter, denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you two are one of them, for... Your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. 
And so we see that in his self-sufficiency, he was determined not to deny Jesus. But when push came to shove and Jesus was on trial, and Peter was in the midst of company that did not support or follow Jesus as he did, Peter broke in the midst of his trial, and really the self-preservation that's attached to self-sufficiency kicked in. And ultimately, Peter denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, as he was trying to find comfort in the midst of the crowd and warm himself in the midst of anonymity, in the midst of Jesus' trial by the fire in the crowd that stood opposed to Jesus. And the truth is, is that many of us have found ourselves in similar positions over the past year as uh, the uh, name of Jesus, or at least Christianity, were made into a caricature over this past year. Many people wanted to just say, you know what, I love you, Jesus, but I'm going to stand at a little bit of a distance now. I'm not going to associate uh, myself with the caricature that's being made. And so I'm going to maybe like go into a place of anonymity myself. And if people are trying to associate with me with anything according to your name, I'll create a little distance between you and myself because I don't want to be associated with that which was obviously wrong. But in doing so, we also disassociated ourselves from the head and the one and his people who are trying to continue to move forward in his purposes despite the error of the ways that people have misrepresented him. And so when people came to us and said, are you one of his followers? We were like, ah, I don't know. Not, not me. Maybe other people are, but you know, not me. I'm more of a spiritual person, not necessarily a follower of that Jesus. And then it bled over into your personal life where maybe the things that you had as a pursuit or a priority in terms of seeking God in his word, seeking God in prayer, honoring God day by day in a lifestyle of worship didn't become the priority of your heart anymore. You, you sort of found new habits and new comforts by the fire. And Peter found himself in that position and found that the very words that Jesus had prophesied to him, that before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times, were actually evidenced in his life. And he ultimately missed the mark and failed Jesus in his time of testing and trial. And despite our claims, trials will always show us what is truly inside of us. Though Peter claimed great devotion to the Lord, he would opt for self-preservation when challenged at the Lord's trial. And this is truly not just Peter's plight, but it's common to all of humanity. It's common to you and myself if we are not rooted and grounded in God. And this didn't change until Pentecost for Peter when he was filled with the Holy Spirit and literally by the Spirit of God changed into a different man. The truth of the matter is, is that we miss the mark because we will either be filled with God's word and the Holy Spirit, or we will ultimately be filled with self. And living only to protect yourself ultimately leads to emptiness, sadness, and regret. In Peter's situation, that's what he realized. It's like, my goodness, in the moment of self-preservation, I denied and gave up on Jesus. And the only response in my heart was heartbreak, going outside and weeping bitterly because the man who was literally getting ready to give his life for me, I was willing to deny just to preserve my 
own sense of safety and peace. Or maybe for you, it wasn't so extreme in your thoughts or your mind, but you said, you know what, I'm, going, I'm willing to deny Jesus by going back into a lifestyle of sin that he had brought me out of because I need some relief or I need some escapism from all the pressures that I'm experiencing around me. And God should be able to understand. The people of God should be able to understand. And you know what? Though though church was a priority to me before, though the things of God were a priority um, to me before, it's gotten so convoluted that, you know what? I'm not even interested in serving or seeking God on my own. Because so much has gone on to convolute things that, you know, I, it's hard to see Jesus now. It's, you know, I see him um, broken and bruised, you know I mean, um, um, punched and spat upon by those who arrested him and brought him to trial. Maybe he's not the person that I thought he was. And you went into other things. But ultimately, when you go into those other things, you find yourself experiencing the emptiness, sadness, and regret that a life outside of Christ, a life without God and without hope in the world, actually leads you to. And undoubtedly, Peter remembered this as he wept when he remembered Jesus' words. Jesus had earlier said in Matthew 16, verse 24, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And so in the time of trial and pressure, though many of us proclaimed love for Jesus, just like Peter, when the test came, what we did is we went to try to find the world and find some peace of mind and find some enjoyment and find some life in the world as a substitute for the author of life, who is Jesus. But we found that just like Peter, it led to emptiness, sadness, and, and really regret because ultimately all the life that we're looking for is found in losing our life for Christ, not trying to find our lives for ourselves. And until that nickel drops in us, we'll be in the cycle of sadness, regret, and also emptiness that Peter experienced in that moment. But the good news of the gospel is that there's always a way to re-engage Jesus. And we can re-engage Jesus when we realize that his grace is more than enough for each one of my failings. Each one of my failings and each one of your failings. You see, ultimately, Peter wept bitterly because he woke up and he was like, my goodness, how could I deny Jesus? How could I deny Jesus when he's shown himself to be so true? How could I deny Jesus when he's shown himself that he actually is the author of life and life works best when I do things his way? How can I, how can I be so wrong and deny Jesus when he's shown himself so compassionate and so kind to me? What do I do? Well, many of us do what Peter did. And after, uh, after Jesus was crucified and buried, Peter knew only what he knew to do and went back to fishing with his compatriots. And many of them were the other apostles, the other disciples, who Jesus had also called out of fishing, had knew the tr known the trade before. But after Jesus' crucifixion, death, and burial, they went back to what they knew. 
not realizing that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead and was coming to give them resurrection life as well to make up for their failings and put them back on course for the thing that he called them to be and he called them to do, the life and the life abundantly that he called them to in him. And we see in John 21 that Jesus, by his grace, comes to make up for the failings that Peter, despite his devotion, had shown before him. And in John 21, verse 15, it says this, When they had finished breakfast, because Jesus went to them in the midst of their fishing, going back to what they had always known, Jesus met with them and said, let's have some, let's have some time together. Let's talk this through. Let's get back on track. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Talking about the fish that he had just caught and cooked. He, meaning Peter, said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He, meaning Peter, said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He, meaning Jesus, said to him, then tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said him, um, to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Then feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he would, was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, meaning John the apostle, following them. The one who had also leaned back against him, meaning Jesus, during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. And so we see here that Peter has this encounter with Jesus after it's failing. And Jesus, by his grace, giving Peter what he didn't deserve, comes and meets with him in the midst of his failings. And he says something very interesting. He, he says to him, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, before we address this, we, we need to understand that our natural proclivity after failure is to return to that which is familiar, even if God made us for something more. This is what Peter and his compatriots did with the fishing. They were called to be the point people of the church of Jesus Christ, being the key witnesses of his life, miracles, death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. 
but they'd gone back to what was familiar to them. For you, it might just be a routine. For others of you, it might be sin. For others of you, it might be pursuits other than what you know the Spirit of God had appointed and called you to do before the time of trial. But the discouragements of the circumstances snuffed out your faith for it. But Jesus comes to meet us in our hour of discouragement, just like Peter in this moment. And Jesus speaks to us for as many times as we failed him to restore us and heal us to leave no hole unpatched. See, that was what was significant about Jesus addressing Peter in this moment. He said, listen, Peter, three times, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And a third time, do you love me more than these? So for every time that Peter failed Jesus, Jesus was giving him an opportunity at restoration. He said, my cross and my grace are sufficient for you, Peter. Now come back to me and show your love for me. In the midst of your failings, know that my grace is greater than your sin. And let me patch up the wounds, patch up the holes, and heal you in the places where you've fallen short. Let me fill you with the Spirit of God and my Word that will keep you as you turn back to me. He speaks to us for as many times as we failed him to restore us and heal us. This is what he did for Peter, asking him if he loved Jesus more than the fish he knew and in which he was now finding solace. But the way that Jesus asked was significant. The way that Peter was asked, do you love me more than these, was significant. The first two times that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Jesus basically said, do you love me with the love of God, the agape love of God, the undying devotion that you proclaim to have? Two times, the first two times, Jesus said, do you agape me more than these things in which you're trying to find life and you're trying to substitute for me? And Peter had to answer him each time. Lord, you know that I don't agape you. You know that I phileo you, which was in the Greek a different kind of love. Whereas agape was an unconditional, undying love, Phileo was more of a friendship love, but it was a love of convenience. And what Peter was having to respond to Jesus is he said, Lord, despite my claims, you know what's come out of me. You know that ultimately you're asking me for agape love, but all I've been able to show you is phileo love. I only love you when it's convenient for me. And I only love you when it doesn't cost me something. I only love you when it's going in the direction that I want it to go. Lord, you know that I only have this type of love for you. And you would have thought that Jesus at that moment would have walked off and rejected Peter. But in the third questioning, Jesus met Peter right where he was and said, Okay, fine, Peter, then do you phileo me? We'll start there. And Peter Forlorn because Jesus had to go there and ask him this, said, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Then Jesus said, then feed my lambs, right? And so ultimately, the grace of God was sufficient not only to meet Peter in each place of his failings, but meet Peter right where he was and then pull him back to Jesus, pull him back into the purposes of God. And ultimately, that which God had created him 
to do. According to Jesus, re-engaging Christ also means re-engaging his kingdom business. And Jesus' command to Peter when he was restoring him was the same to love him as it was to live for him. He said, if you love me, then ultimately live for me. And an indelible part of living for Jesus is engaging those that he came to save our family, neighbors, co-workers, and friends with the gospel. It was the same message that Jesus had for Peter then that he had for Peter at the beginning. Remember, in Matthew 14, when Jesus was calling his first disciples, he said, leave these fish, you fishermen. Drop what you're doing. Follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So you're going to engage me, and by engaging me, I'm going to make you into something that's going to be a solution and a representative of my kingdom for the world. Peter was to demonstrate his love for the Lord by feeding and taking care of those who Jesus came to save. And ultimately, he was to reflect to these people the same grace that was demonstrated to him in the midst of his failings at the cross of Christ. And the question is, is that are we really Christ? Because the closer that you are to Jesus, the fewer rights that you are going to maintain for yourself because you finally realize that it's in losing your life for Jesus and the gospel that you find it. You cannot claim to be serving Jesus as Lord and be the one who ultimately determines what you do with your time, your resources, your talents, and your pursuits. Peter would learn this. And ultimately, living your best life is less about getting to do everything that everyone else is getting to do. And it's more about doing what God has actually created you to do. That's what Peter would learn. It's why poet C.T. Studd ultimately said this, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And it is then that you no longer have to make comparisons between yourself and others. This is why Jesus told Peter not to worry about John's story or what would happen with John. He said, you, Peter, follow me. You come back, not just to the culture of Christianity, you come back to me and I'll forgive you, make you whole, patch up your wounds and make you new. And you will understand my grace towards you. And you've truly experienced God's grace when you realize three things. Number one, the forgiveness that was provided for you at the cross because of Christ's death. Number two, the new creation he's made you because of Christ's resurrection. And then finally, number three, the new direction God has called you because of Christ's lordship in your life. Peter found that as he found freedom, that found this freedom in Christ, his natural rights might have seemed less, meaning that he would have to go where he did not want to go, ultimately being martyred and crucified himself, just like his Lord, Jesus Christ, in following him. But his nearness to God was all the more as he learned to glorify God by his own sacrifice of self. And so as we begin and finish this first message in the Reengage series, 
my call to you is to come back to Christ. Maybe you find yourself, have you've gone into a hole, gone into isolation, gone into a separation from God, his, uh, uh, his habits of seeking him, his plans, his community, and his purposes because of the discouragements of your own feelings. But God is clearly saying today, just like he said to Peter, he's saying to you, come back. And if you say, at, if, at any point you said, you love Jesus, he'll meet you right where you are and restore you and bring you from a place of loving him merely out of convenience to actually teaching you and empowering you by his word and Holy Spirit to have an agape, undying love for him as he's had it for you. And so today, let's repent of our sin the things that have been familiar to us and come back into the Lordship of Christ, allowing him to define every aspect of his life by his grace and his word in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for every man and woman on this uh, in this service today. And God, I pray that regardless of the holes that they've been in, that God, you would, by your kindness, your grace, and your mercy, draw them out. Help them to, once again, re-engage you, knowing that there is no failing, there is no sin, there is no denial too great that you cannot restore and bring us back from. God, would you, by your kindness, bring people to repentance today and help them come to a place where they not only love you by convenience, but instead they love you out of an undying devotion, fervor um, given by the Holy Spirit and strength given by your word. God, I pray you would bless your people with that as you call them back to yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. And for those of you who said, you know what? I'm not even like Peter. I've never come to a place where I have submitted my whole life to Jesus Christ. And I've seen the results of what that's led to. I've seen the brokenness in my life. I've seen the destruction and the emptiness and the hopelessness in my life because of my sin. And I know I deserve death and hell, but I've never given my life to the Lord to actually have hope in Him. But I want to do that today. And if that's you, would you hear the call of God and respond to him by turning your life over to the Lordship of Jesus today? If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I know that I deserve death and hell because of my rebellion, but I don't want it. And I thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to live the perfect life that I should have lived and on the cross die the sacrificial death that I should have died. And three days later, because of his innocence, you raised him from the dead so I could have new life and forgiveness of sins in him. God, would you help me to love you and serve you as I proclaim Jesus my Lord today? I thank you. Amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash newlife? There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life of grace in Jesus Christ. Their prayer counselor is standing here to meet with you even now. So click on that button. We love you. God bless you. And let's go back into worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Welcome back, Second City. We just ask that in this second set of worship, uh, that you would just reflect on that message. Uh, if the Lord is speaking to you, uh, feel free to just pray to him. Just take a break and pray to him. Reach out to him. He is listening. Uh, 
feel free to join in with us as well and worship Him in recognition of how awesome our God is. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because a sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. To look on him and pardon me To look on him and pardon me Hallelujah, hallelujah Praise the one risen Son Righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One in himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood, my life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. Betrayed. 
All right, we hope that you were strengthened by that last worship set and are once again filled with the encouragement that comes from the knowledge of God's great love for you. We're going to continue to talk about these matters in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet found one, please do go to our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you, so let us know how we can be standing with you. And also think about how you can share this link with others who also need to be spurred on by the grace of God towards them. Uh, do invite those same people with you to our service next week. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon.